Welcome to the Piano by Ear podcast. I'm so excited about today's episode because I'm going to be talking about a composition lesson, teaching composition and or learning composition. So composition has been something that I have been working on a lot lately, actually. I am working on composing songs, writing them up in finale. I'd like to publish music. And also my students are getting excited about composing as well. And just this past week, I taught one of my students how to compose. So he is, uh, I think he's 14. He's a teenager. And I went to teach him this past week. And I said, what did you work on this week? And usually we have our songs that he likes to play. He's in about late intermediate, early advanced level. So he loves to play Debussy, John Schmidt, Jared Radnich, some of those um, composers. And he said, well, I didn't work on any of those. What I'd like to learn today is how to compose a piece. And I said, oh, well, that'll be fun. That'll be interesting. And I tell you what, I wish the whole lesson was recorded because what ended up happening in this lesson was so cool. And I think it would have been really fun just to see the whole progression of the ideas where we started and then the song that he finished by the end of the lesson. So by the end, we got about eight measures of this piece begun and his siblings take lessons too. So we drafted out these first eight measures and then he went over to his computer and whipped it up on I think it was musicnotesorsomething.com, which allows you to type in the notes on the staff. And within about 20 minutes, he had the whole thing typed up. He was so excited. And I was excited too. So I'm going to try to replicate what that lesson was like and take you through the process of composition. It was so much fun. And it was interesting because I wasn't even quite sure where it was going to go. All I know is how I like to compose music, so I thought, well, I'll just teach him how I do it at least. I'm sure other composers do it a variety of different ways, and I would love to talk to other composers. I have talked to other friends that write music. I just love to talk to other composers that do it as well, because I'm sure each person has their own style and their own way of doing it, their own way of thinking as they're composing music. But in this episode, I'm going to give you my method and share with you all about it because it worked. So first I just asked him, I said, okay, so what chords would you like to work with? What key do you want your song in? Now get this. We have already reviewed all the chords on the staff. So he knows all the 12 major chords. He knows all the 12 relative minor chords that work with each of those major chords. He knows all his scales. I mean, fairly well enough to, enough to to know of them and he knows is very fluent in reading sheet music so very fluent with the staff and his theory knowledge is he's just got a really good theory background knowledge completely familiar with the circle of fifths we've gone over that many times Uh, knows chords chord inversions and we've done a little bit of playing by ear sounding out a melody so he, he was at a great starting point for this kind of lesson. I wouldn't recommend just jumping into this episode or this lesson with zero piano knowledge. Uh, you might want to listen to some of the other episodes that talk about the circle of fifths and 
knowing the different chords on the piano and why there's 12 chords and all that. But assuming that you know all that, because he knew, he knew all that. So that's where we started. We're going to pick up right from this point and jump off. So I said, what key do you want to play in? And right away he was like, oh, the key of C. (laughs) And so I said, okay, perfect. That'll be just fine. And then I asked him what chords that would include. And he said, okay, well, definitely the C chord. And then you move to the right on the circle and that's the G chord. And then you move to the left on the circle and that's the F chord. I said, great. Now, what are your three relative minor chords of each of those? And so from C, we have the relative minor chord A minor. From G, we have the relative minor chord E minor. And then from F, we have the relative minor chord D minor. And then I told him, I said, okay, so your three major chords are C, G, and F. Your relative minor chords are A minor, E minor, and D minor. However, when you're composing music, generally speaking, we're going to use the three major chords, and we're only typically going to use the relative minor of our root chord, or the chord in the middle, the chord that our key is in, which is the C chord. So the relative minor of that one is A minor. And usually when people are teaching composition, they'll just pop four chords right out at you. They'll say, okay, if you're in the key of C, you're going to use the C chord, the F chord, the G chord, and the A minor chord, but not explain why. And leave out the fact that you could technically use the E minor chord and the D minor chord if you wanted to. Thing is though, those just come in randomly. We, they're not our go-to chords. They're pretty and they're great to have on hand, but they're not a typical chord. So I said, okay, just keep in mind that C, G, F, and A minor are probably your go-to chords at this point. And he's like, okay. And then <clears throat> I said, okay, let's review our scale, <laughs> which if you're in the key of C, so easy because it's all the white keys, C, D, E, F, G, A, B, C, and there's your scale. Now, why is the scale important in composition? little side note here. The scale is important in composition because that is going to be your seven notes of which you choose your melody from. And you're going to leave the other notes out on the piano. You're going to be selective. And you want to know the notes that you have to work with. Because when you're com- when you're composing, you want to make sure that you're coming up with random tunes and random random stuff. A lot of it's just trial and error, which I'm going to talk through how do you how do you do trial and error with composing and, and eventually make it sound good? But a lot of it's trial and error, but you need to have a basis of what you're working off of. So the basis of what you're working off of is that scale. That's going to keep you grounded in your song, at least sounding halfway decent. So then why would we need chords? Chords are important because they're going to be the filler and make our song sound good. And also it's going to be the left hand accompaniment. This is just how I like to compose. Also, you're going to see chord progressions in really any song that you play. So chords are the chords are the meat of your song and your scale is like the skeleton of your song. You need both, but you really need your skeleton. (laughs) So the next thing that we did, I said, okay, now you have your scale. Now you also have your chords. I said, okay, now what I would like you to do is to play your scale but incorporate a chord underneath each note. So play your scale really slow, like C, D, E, F, G, and so forth. And that's your right hand. Your right hand plays just one note. Your left hand is gonna play an entire chord underneath that one note. And play a chord that you think is gonna match well with that note. So I said, okay, so right here, our first note is C, what three chords, or why I didn't say three, I said, what chords 
could possibly work with C. How many chords do you have that could match with C of the chords that we already reviewed? And he's like, three. And I'm like, oh my land, how did you know? <laughs> and so I said, okay, well, which three are they? I mean, he literally said it that fast. He's like, oh, I have three chords. I'm like, whoa, you really know your, your theory well. So we have the C chord and that works because there's a C, a literal C in the C chord, C-E-G. And then we have the F chord, which is F-A-C. And then we have the A minor chord, which is A-C-E. So any chord that includes the note C can be played underneath the note C. So then I said, okay, just choose one of those chords. And then with D, what chord could you play? And he's like, okay, I could play G um, or you could play the D minor. And so he just went up the scale. I did review this on my Instagram page, Melodies with Morgan. And, uh, that video is way down. You'd have to scroll way down to find it. But I went through this exercise on Instagram and showed how you can work through this and how it's a great warm up for learning how to play by ear. But he did it right there. And then it was interesting because as he played through, I wish I was at a piano right now so I could take you through this exercise. But there were certain notes and he put a certain chord with it. Like I think for the F note, I think he put like a D minor chord or something or for the A, no, I know what it was. When, once he got to A, C, D, E, F, G, A, once he got to this one, he put the A minor chord with it, and it just sounded wonky. It just sounded weird. And he kind of paused and was like, ooh. And I said, okay, we'll come back to that. We came back to it and I said, okay, so this is where trial and error is the most important because when you're playing a song and you're coming up with a chord, eventually there's going to be a chord that you play and you just go, whoa, that just sounds not right. <laughs> and you're not going to know what is going to sound right. So you have to try a different chord. So I said, A minor just sounded weird and off for some reason right there. What other chord could you use? And then he remembered that the F chord has F, A, and C. So we could put F underneath the A in right hand. Right hand plays A, left hand plays the F chord. I said, okay, well, let's try that. So then he tried that one and it sounded so much better. It was just great. And I wish I could have, I could play that for you because it was such a dramatic sound difference. F sounded great. A minor sounded weird. So then I said, okay, in composition, we're going to have that all the time where we are playing and we play something and it just sounds weird. And then we have to try something else and it sounds good. That's just normal. That's where the trial and error comes in. So then we were off to a great start. We had all this theory, background, knowledge. This was all review coming up to the point of, of the actual composition. And then, and then I said, okay, <clears throat> at this point, I'd like you to choose four random notes. And he's like, oh, I said, it could be any four random notes. Just play four random notes. So he kind of looks at the piano and plays C, F, E, C, and then looks up at me. And then I ask him, I said, okay, did that sound good? And he goes, no. And I go, yeah, I didn't think so either. <laughs> I mean, bum, 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 bum. That tune, it just sounds like it's going nowhere. <laughs> and it sounds bland and it sounds boring and it's just not, duh. It's, so here's composition. It's one of those things where you try something, you go, wow, that just totally doesn't sound good. So I said, yeah, that really doesn't sound good. Let's, um, let's try something else. And so he fiddled around with a few more things. And then he played, um, C, F, G, C. And I was like, oh, well, hey, now we could work with that. That's a little better. 
I'm gonna pitch it down a little bit. Uh, so do do do. This is not C. This would be a different note on the piano, but just for the podcast episode here, bum 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 bum. That was our tune that we had to start with. Da 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 da. I said awesome. So now in our music, what we want to do is we want to take this, these first four notes, and build something with it. Now, in music, the reason why I had him choose four is because, assuming we're going to play our song in 4-4 timing, it's a great time signature to start out in when you're composing. 3-4 is also okay. 6-8 is fun, too. But 4-4 is awesome to start with. So, we started in 4-4, and I told him that in composition, when you're making a song, it's very mathematical. And I asked him, I said do you like math? He goes, no. I go, oh no. So usually ah, it's good if you like math because music just functions very mathematically. It also is very aesthetic. What I mean by this is if we were to um, draw what music looks like, like if we were to draw it out as a sketch, it would be a beautiful, a good song would end up looking like a beautiful symmetrical building. So I started drawing cubes on the paper and I said, okay, I like, I like to draw and sketch. So I'm going to draw what this, what our composition should look like. So I drew a square and then I turned it into a cube and then I put some other cubes like over it and expanded it and basically was coming up with this house looking thing, a castle ish type of deal. And it was very symmetrical and the more symmetrical it was, the better it, it looked as, as I kept drawing onto this. And I told him that that's kind of how music is. You, that's why we started with a group of four. What we're going to do now is take that group of four notes and build four different chords to go under these four different notes. And then we're going to take that and develop a pattern that could be four measures. Now that four measures is going to turn into our theme. So it was like four, 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 (laughs) four squared, four cubed, (laughs) four quadrupled. And this is how your music is going to sound cohesive. And it's going to sound like you actually know what you're doing. If you try to compose a song and you're going nowhere with it and it doesn't follow any sort of math, then it's going to sound just uh, like an idea that goes hither and yon, but it never comes back around. Kind of like if you were writing a novel or a story or something and you had no character development, no storyline, no climax, and no resolution. Imagine that your story was just like a random day and that's, it just blah, blah, blah. We don't want our music to sound like blah, blah, blah. We want it to go somewhere and do something. And the way it's going to go somewhere and do something is if it's very mathematical and follows structures of numbers. So getting back to the song, we had um, C, F, G, uh, we had da, 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 C, F, G, C. That was our pattern. And then he started playing it fast. Bum, 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 bum. And he played it faster than that, like one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. And I was like, hey, that sounds good. Then I said, okay, well, let's experiment with this. Can you play that at a few different octaves on the piano? So he played that at middle C 
And I said, okay, and now do you think it would sound better higher or lower? And he goes, oh, maybe higher. So he goes up an octave, plays it at treble C, which I'm like, ah, oh, this is sounding sweet. And then he goes an octave higher, plays it at high C, which is an octave above treble C. And it was just sounding too high at that point. So I said, which one sounded the best? And he goes, uh, treble C. And I go, yes, I'm so glad he agreed because <laughs> I think it sounded the best too. Here's the cool thing. Things that sound good on piano, generally, you can just kind of generally tell that they sound good. And things that sound bad, you can just generally tell that they sound bad. Here's the, the ambiguous part of composition. And I think it's the sad part. When people are either, whoa, teaching or learning composition, they end up teaching all of the math and all of the patterns and all of the structure, but then the actual song sounds cheesy and empty and it doesn't sound good. Ugh. And, and that's what we want to avoid. We want to avoid cheesy and empty. We want it to sound rich and full and developed. So that's what we're going for. And he had this group of four notes. Then I said, okay, now what we want to do, and this, these were just ideas that were coming, like trying it at different octaves. Honestly, that's something I would have just experimented on my own if I were composing this song at home. And then I said, now let's think of a chord we could just plug right underneath that grouping of four. And so he goes, uh, the C chord. I'm like, oh, awesome choice. So he plays the whole entire C chord, C, E, and G down low. This is like a bass C. And he holds that C chord underneath four groupings of that melody. I wish I was at the piano so I could let you listen to this. And it just sounded not awesome. It just was, something was off. And he looks at me really confused. He's like, why doesn't this sound good? And I said, okay, now play your C chord again down here. And he plays it again. And it's just so low. It sounds like gravel. So I said, let's do something. Let's Let's bring this up an octave, not like terribly low, but let's just have it at base C. And then I said, let's drop the third. Because when we're playing a chord and if we're playing it way down low, anytime we include the third of the chord, so your C chord is C, E, G, anytime you include E with that chord way down low, it's gonna sound terrible because um, there must be a mathematical reason for this, but thirds down low just don't blend so good. It's just too many notes, too close together, too low. So the lower you go, the less notes you want and the more spread out you want. That's why fifths and octaves sound fabulous down low. They're spread out enough and they are good intervals that are spaced well enough apart. They also give you the staple notes of your chord. So the third is, is good for more like treble clef. Also, you never want to echo the third in two hands. So if I'm playing an E up high, and then I'm playing the C chord down low, don't echo the third. Don't play E up high and C, E, and G down low. Play the E up high and drop the E in the middle of the chord with your left hand. It'll sound so much better. This is a, um, a well-known rule of thumb when composing. So don't ever, don't ever double your third. And then we discussed that, and then he ended up just playing C and G down low underneath that pattern of four. Bum, 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 bum. And it sounded good. And then he's like, yeah, I like this. I said, oh, I do too. Now let's think of our next chord we could do. Now, because our pattern started with C, 
I said, okay, well, let's think of another chord that could match with the C. And he's like, um, A minor. So then he plays the A minor fifth, drops the middle, drops the third, and plays the A minor fifth underneath the right hand pattern. Oh, it's sounding fabulous. He does that for four more times, just holding that A minor out. And then he goes to the F chord. And then at this point, I tell him, okay, so we've done three different chords underneath our structure of four notes played four times in the right hand. See where we're going with this? Four, four, four. So then I said, we need a fourth chord, but it sounds like it just needs to change. Like the whole thing just kind of needs to change to a little bit of a different thing for this fourth one. <clears throat> and so he's like, oh, well, how about the G chord? I'm like, yes, this would sound great. The only thing is that doesn't really match with our right hand. So what could we do to change our right hand notes to match with the G chord? What we decided was to move our pattern, which was C, F, G, C, up a whole note. So now we're playing D, G, A, D. And then that matched well with our G chord underneath. So instead of bum, 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 we played bum, 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 and then matched that with the G chord. It sounded like something was changing and leading somewhere and this was sounding great. Then, at that point, <clears throat> we had four chords, and it was time to do another thing. And I, I honestly forget what we did next, but we, I think we swapped it. So then the right hand held out a chord, and the left hand played like an arpeggio underneath. And then it sounded better, instead of going back to the C chord, we went to the E minor chord. Now, normally we would not use this minor chord. Like we talked about in the beginning, we'd only use the relative minor chord of our root chord, which is the C. So relative minor would be A minor. And then the other two minor chords like E minor and D minor were optional. They could be used, but not preferably because we only use them in <laughs> sort of desperate cases where here's the here's how you know if it's time to use one of those other chords technically this would be chord uh the minor two or the minor six if you're if you're thinking about this diatonically so here's how we would know if we've tried out all the other options and nothing seems to sound rich or full or beautiful then it is time to consider one of the other chords, the E minor or the D minor. And so at that point, we considered one of these other chords, we tried it, and it was sounding good. It was sounding so much better. So then he did where he just held out. Um, oh, I believe at this point he held out the note C for four beats as left hand played an arpeggio and then he held out f for four beats and then he held out g for four beats and then he held out c for four beats and then the left hand was doing all the movement now and then that just mixed it up so ended up with some arpeggios ended up playing the the e minor chord somewhere in there the d minor chord i have this on recording we, we recorded what he worked on just really quickly in voice memos and then this is where we left off. And then he zoomed over and whipped it up on, I think it was music notes or music flight or muse score or something like that. Composition software that allows you to write down your music on the staff for free online. If you want to purchase a software, Finale is the, uh, the, the software 
to use. It's the most commonly used one. It's great. But there's lots of free platforms online. You can just get on there and compose and it'll play back what you have so far so you can see if it's working. Also, by the way, his right hand was 16th notes and then his left hand was quarter notes. So initially we never set out to use 16th notes, but it just kind of developed into that. And we didn't set out to use the E minor chord ever, but we ended up using it. We didn't really set out to, to use this pattern of bum, 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 and play it four times, but that ended up sounding good. So you can see how you start with something and it evolves and it goes somewhere. And then you just keep working with that idea. Now, the exciting thing is to continue working with the idea and coming up with more of a song, more of a piece. Technically, a piece is a piece of music that has no words and songs have words. And some people are really particular about that. Ugh. Like, don't call us a piece a song. <laughs> to me, all music sings. So I just call everything songs in my heart. But anyway, <clears throat> that was the composition lesson. It was so much fun. We just explored all about making music and then he wrote it which that's another great thing to do if you can actually write your music on the staff that will really test your theory skills and you're gonna have to think what note value you're using what kind of notes you're using some I I'm not sure if it's all but typically music softwares will only let you put in the correct number of beats per measure. So in finale, if I'm composing, it has to be mathematically correct. It won't let you it won't let you screw up your counting, which means you really need to know <laughs> what kind of notes you're working with. Otherwise, it will seem like the music software isn't letting you do what you want to do. So, that is the composition lesson. There's a whole lot of different ways to compose, but you can see where we started. We started with this theory structure, which is why I'm such a big fan of knowing the chords and knowing your scales, but learning them in a fun way. Because once you have them, you can go off and do all sorts of things and you can compose lots of different music and any sort of song just has its own, its own feeling and its own emotion. Like some songs maybe will sound just cheerful and happy, kind of like the one that he composed. Some songs might sound sad. I love sad songs. And then other songs are just really um, hmm, expansive and big, like a movie theme. And other songs maybe are are just fun, bebopity, maybe jazzy. So lots of different styles you can do. But that's all for today. Have an awesome day and go have fun composing.